I think the, the best verse in It Is Well With My Soul is um, my sin, all oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all oh, my soul. It is well with my soul. Out of everything in that psalm, that is really the thing that should bring you peace. And if you're here this morning and you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, or if you're somebody that you feel like your, your world is falling apart and you're looking for something and you have no stability on the inside, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is your answer. He's the one that will forgive you of your sins and bring peace to your heart and make it to where actually that you have peace inside while the world is falling apart. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that, that our sins would actually be paid for that way, isn't it? The bliss of this glorious part, my sin not in part, but the whole. If you think about um, how some people forgive, they, they forgive you for some things but not other things, right? Well, I can forgive them for this, but I can't forgive them for that, that sort of deal. But God isn't like that. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. I bear it no more. I bear it no more. So, great worship time. Enjoyed that last one, especially. So, anyway, there you go. Little message before the message, right? Message before the message there. All right, we are in Leviticus, and uh, this is part three of Priest Today. And I wanted to start with this verse right here, just to remind us. And he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He has made us a kingdom of priests. So everybody that's received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, we are priests of his. We are priests. You're a priest. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a priest. Yeah. You're a priest. Tell them you're a priest. <laughs> yeah, you are really saying it like you believe it. Yeah, I'm a priest. You're a priest. So anyway, Leviticus chapter 8. Leviticus chapter 8. And we are going to be in reading with verse 23. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 23. Let's start with verse 22 and just for the fun of it. It says this, Then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination. That reminds us what chapter 8 is about. It's about the ordination of the priest into the tabernacle. So that's what Moses is doing. So then he presented the other ram, the ram of ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And he killed it. And Moses took some of his blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he presented Aaron's sons and Moses put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses threw the blood against the sides of the altar." This is an interesting uh, passage of scripture in the sense of there's blood being placed on a lobe, a blood being 
placed on a right thumb and blood being placed on a big toe, okay? So what in the world is this about? This has bothered me for quite some time. I started studying Leviticus, hit this, and this lobe, this thumb, this toe thing just made me think. And so I've thought about it for a very long period of time at times where I shouldn't have been thinking about it. For instance, when Nicole was telling me something that I really needed to know, I would be thinking about a lobe and a thumb. Don't tell me you don't do that from time to time, but I'd think about this and I had to get back to it, right? So, so I've been thinking about this for a while, and this is only really in uh, one, two, three places in Scripture, okay? It's in Exodus, where almost this exact same verbiage is that, Moses, that God tells Moses this is what he's supposed to do when he ordains the priest, so Exodus, and then this Leviticus passage, and then it appears again in Leviticus chapter 14, So here we know that it's the priest. And so on this side of things, Moses has put oil on their head and is anointing them for ministry. And then he kills this ram and he puts blood on the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe. And then you make it all the way to Leviticus 14 and you have these lepers that feel like that they have been healed from their leprosy. And before they can come back into society, they have to go through a ritual. And so part of that ritual is they have to put blood on the right lobe, blood on the right thumb, and blood on the right toe, the big toe. And then after that happens, they are anointed. What used to happen back in Leviticus days is that if you got sick, you were quarantined outside of society. You were taken out of the camp in this arena. You're taken out of the camp and you're supposed to live alone. No contact with anybody until you were clean. Now about once or twice a week, a priest would come out and check on you. He'd check on all these people that were outside just to see how they were doing. And if one of them said, hey, I feel like I'm, I'm cured of leprosy, he would look them over and then he would instruct them to go back to the tabernacle so that they could regain entrance into society. And part of that re-entrance into society was this um, blood on the lobe, blood on the thumb, and blood on the big toe so that they could come back in. This is a picture of a borderline. There's a borderline between the people that are healthy and the people that were not healthy. And to cross that borderline, you had to go through a spiritual thing in order to get back into society. The other other borderline on this side is that you have these priests who are called out from the people and they come to the tabernacle and they are ordained to do the work of the ministry. The tabernacle is the borderline between heaven and earth. It is where God has touched down and he's decided to reside. And there's a borderline between the tabernacle and the quote-unquote real world. Now, we know everything's sacred, but it's a borderline between the two. And so, so they are being ordained in this particular way. There's a borderline to cross over into the holiness of God. You and I are priests, but we're also tabernacles, walking tabernacles of Jesus Christ. He resides inside of us. So you and I are actually borderlines In this world, we are where heaven touches down on earth. See, 
Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Think about this. Jesus Christ lives inside of me. God the Father inside of me. This is where he's resting. This is where he has taken up his throne room. If you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're the same way. And if God is living inside of your tabernacle, that means wherever you go, you are now the borderline between heaven and earth because God has touched down on your life. He saved your soul and made you a part of a kingdom that is both here now and is coming. Come on, church. You are a borderline. There is something special about you. And so here, it's, it's an ear, it's, it's, it's a toe, it's, it's a thumb. So, you know, I, I thought about this and thought about this and thought about this, and then I thought, well, maybe what we can do is we can see how ear is used in the rest of Scripture, and we can see how thumb, what that has to do with the rest of Scripture, and we can see how the foot, does, does the Bible say anything about feet and our feet and our hands and our, our ears? And so that is what we are doing today. Now, ear, obviously, represents listening, right? Listening. And I would submit to you this morning that you can't connect with somebody unless you listen to them. I mean, you can look at them. You you can be around them. But if you're not listening to them, you're not really connecting to them. The priests are supposed to listen to God so they can connect with God. They're also supposed to listen to other priests around them so that they can connect to each other. Now turn to your neighbor and say, listening connects with people. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that, right? What I often find is, is people only hear, but they don't really listen. But there's a difference between like the hearing and listening. And I mean, we, we can draw straws at this, but what I'm saying is there's different levels of, of listening, right? My wife, I heard a guy say one time, my wife says that I never listen to her. At least that's what I think she says. Right? Because sometimes we really, we really wonder if we're really listening. The context of today is, are you connecting, listening to God? Are you connecting? Are you listening to other priests? Are you, are you listening for God to tell you something? Isaiah chapter 55 verse 3 says this, incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live. You have to work to listen to God. You have to work to listen to other people. See, there's a lot of people that just talk too much. Right? Yeah, there's just some people that talk too much. It's on and on and on and on and on. And I would dare say that there's sometimes that you walk away from something, maybe, and you think that maybe you talk too much. If you walk away from a conversation and you don't know what the other person has said, you didn't listen and you may have talked too much. It was, a great, it was great to be with them tonight, wasn't it, honey? Yes, it was. Well, what did we learn about them? Absolutely nothing. What did they learn about us? Everything. That was a moment where you didn't listen. Here, it's incline your ear to come to me and hear that your soul may live. It's work to listen. Check out this verse. 
Job chapter 42, verse 5 says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. The Bible clearly says that nobody's ever seen God and lived. So this is a poetic license. In fact, all of Job is, is poetry, really. So here, it's, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. In other words, I understand what you are saying to me. I see it. See, you haven't listened to somebody until you actually understand what they are saying and you see what they are saying. Oftentimes, we're, we're too busy trying to create an argument or uh, like an argument to go against what they're saying or we're... Or When you see what they're trying to say to you. And this is so important when it comes to God. See, God talks to you all the time. You just might not recognize it. You may be listening for a voice when he's trying to speak to you in another way. See, listening is listening for God is not just trying to hear his voice. It's also trying to see what he's actually doing. Let me give you an example. God often works in my mistakes. Not my sin. There's a difference between sin and mistakes. Sometimes when I make a mistake, in fact, I, I would say most of the time, if not all the time, when I make a mistake, God has another plan for it. It's almost like he's up in heaven. And he says, well, I know Philip is going to make a couple of mistakes, so I'll just work that into my plan so that I can do something with those mistakes. This morning, in fact, that same thing happened to me this morning at this church right before we started. I made a mistake. Another guy made a mistake. But it turned out to be exactly what God wanted at that moment. Does that make sense? Like, I made this mistake. It, it was this, this, and this. Oh, my goodness. And then God all of a sudden worked it out the way that he wanted to work it out all the time. That's when you say, Thank you, Lord. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. So you look for the way that God moves and how he's going and what he's doing, and you, you try to follow him to the best of your ability. You listen for him to speak to you. A lot of our prayers, I believe, just have too many words in them. We, we pray, we pray, and we pray, and during our prayer time, we don't shut up long enough to have silence for God to speak to us. And sometimes you pray and you're quiet a moment and God doesn't really say anything verbally to you, but he does commune with your spirit and calm you down. You can feel that happening inside of you. Are you, do you understand? So you, so you listen for that and then you see what he's saying. The best way that God to us is, of course, through the Word of God. We read the Word of God and we listen to it, and until we see what it is saying, that is the point in which we have listened to what God has said in His Word. Some of us, some of us, sometimes, we read the Word and we hear it, but we don't listen to see what it really says. We're just reading it. Read it for information, we get some information in our mind. But when you're reading the Bible to listen to God speak to you, you read it, you slow down, and you allow Him to speak to you from His Word so that you will have God incline your ear and you listen until you see what is being said. You actually see it. 
Here's the next one. Proverbs 18, 15 says, An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. We listen to acquire knowledge. We listen to gain wisdom because we do not have it. I think we need to be careful and guarded on who we listen to. I think we need to be guarded about who we listen to. There's a lot of voices in this world that we really shouldn't be listening to. I will tell you this. The thing that you can listen to all the time and never err is the Word of God. It never changes. You can listen to it. It's always going to be truth. It is there. Even when you think it contradicts, you can think a little bit and listen and figure out why you thought it contradicted, and what you find out is that there's a brilliant truth that you just missed that ties it all together. So you listen to this word totally, and then what you need to do is you need to pick some people that are wise in your life and not fools that you listen to. Step number one, do not just look for people that agree with you. If you're looking for people to listen to that disagree with you, you are not seeking wisdom. Because wisdom from time to time disagrees with what you're thinking. And then you change. See, a lot of people just, oh, this person over here agrees with me, so I'm on this side. Well, when they don't agree with them, then they, oh, oh, these people over here agree with me, so I'm on this side. No, 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 that's not how it works. You seek somebody that has wisdom. I have a neighbor whose name is Dr. Miller. He allows me to call him Carol. He is maybe 83 years old. I love going to his house. Love going to his house. If you sit there long enough, you will gain something, some tidbit of wisdom that this boy would have thought of for years. He is an amazing man. Um, he's, he's a botanist. And so he's traveled the entire world. In fact, I, I told him the other day that um, I was, we started a church in Zambia with a, with a pastor there, a church kid, and, and planning on going over there once my passport gets back to me. And all of a sudden, he began to talk about Zambia. And it's amazing what you learn about Zambia from a guy that's already been there and the wisdom that he has in how to travel, what to do, and all that kind of stuff. He didn't give me a lot of information, but these people with wisdom, they don't give you a lot of information. It's very short. You have to grab it when you can. What I'm impressed with uh, Dr. Miller when he talks to you is that if you start going down a negative slip, he doesn't let that last. He pulls you back into a more positive slip every single time. Of course, you know, I know this is what I'm doing. But he pulls you back. What I've learned from that is some of the things that we think is a big deal and we're all up in arms about, are really small in cumulative. Sometimes we let those things bother us so much that we get a bad view on life. And so Dr. Miller's been, been allowing us to know we need to pull people back to something positive, something that's beneficial. I also think that even though he's never said it, I have this thought when I'm in his presence, I'm like, you know what? If I could just have the viewpoint that Dr. Miller has as he lives his life, and it's, it's, it's real positive stuff. It's not overly positive. It's just positive and keeping things here. A lot of the things that have bothered with me, and 
I am bothered with in life how it no longer be bothering anymore. It's amazing what wisdom does to you and your viewpoint on life. It says you incline your ear to these people that have knowledge. This next verse is kind of repetitive. Revelation 3.22 says, Let the people who have an ear hear what the Spirit says. Let them hear what it says. And then the next verse says this. Matthew 13.15 For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. We need to make sure that our hearts are not becoming dull to what God wants for us in this life. The way that our hearts become dull is when we forget forget to read scripture, when we do not spend time praying, when we, when we don't try to lend an ear to listen, our hearts become dull. And the duller they become, the harder it is for us to actually listen. Um, the other day, an old man went up beside me and he was playing very loudly with Justin Bieber. I then knew he had COVID. He had lost his sense of taste. Thank you. I'm here all week. All right, let's get to thumbs. Let's get to thumbs. All right, so what in the world does thumb have to do with it? Well, thumb is part of your hand. It's a, a, a very important part of your hand. I preached this in the first service, and there was a visitor. He was sitting right over there. He came up to me afterwards, and his thumb had been cut off. It had been severed. And he said, I... You never realize how important your thumb is until you don't have it anymore. The thumb is a very important part of your, your hands. And so the thumb and the blood on the hands represents really the, the whole hand, the totality of the whole hand. He just put the blood on the thumb. So what does thumbs and hands have to do with it? What does hands have to do with me being a priest? Well, here's the first verse that talks about that. It says this. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Scripture, time and time again, tells us to lift our hands up in praise to God. See, in Scripture, you go to your knees because of God's holiness and because of your unworthiness. You raise your hand, hands in praise to God out of submissiveness. I mean, have you ever seen people in our society do this? right here? It's usually with police officers, right? I don't know if you've experienced that or not. I haven't, but nonetheless, you know, your hands are up. You're surrendering. When it comes to God, you're not being arrested, so to speak. Well, I guess you would be arrested by his love. Maybe somebody should write a song. But you raise your hand in praise to God. Now, I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, not everybody wants to raise their hands, and that's fine. You need to worship God in the way that you're designed to worship God, and you feel comfortable. That is, that is uniquely and authentically you. But we should never look at people that raise their hands and think that they're some type of charismatic movement because they're not. The Bible tells us that when we are moved in praise and it touches our heart, it is okay to lift our hands and surrender to God. In fact, Scripture would also teach that when we, when we raise our hands, it's almost like we're reaching out 
to touch him to the best of our ability. We're reaching up. Now, can you touch God by doing this? Absolutely not. But your mind reaches out for him because you need him. You surrender. And Lord, thank you for your praises. Thank you that it is well with my soul. How great thou art, then sings my soul. We lift up our hands in praise to God. You need to worship God in spirit and in truth and do it the way you're designed to do it. And never be scared to lift your hands if you feel like lifting your hands. Never be scared to leave your hands in your pockets. And do the Baptist sway. Right? Never be afraid to do that. Never be afraid to move and worship God. That's part of us being a priest. It's part of that thumb having the blood on it. Next. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. My hands do most of the work that I do in this life. If I'm driving a car, if I'm fixing something at home, if I'm cooking dinner, if I'm mowing the yard, my hands are a symbol of doing stuff for the Lord. Make sure you are working for God. Make sure that everything that you do in this life, you're doing something for God. You're doing it for his glory. You're doing it for, his, for other people to know about Jesus because you are the borderline between heaven and earth and it's your hands and what you do that shows Jesus to other people. So make sure that you're committing your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Check out this verse, it says this. Job 17, 19, I mean, 17, 9 says, he who has clean hands grows stronger and stronger. Make sure your hands are clean. This means that you shouldn't be doing stuff that is against the word of God. You should keep your hands clean. What often happens with Christians is we're really trying to minister to people and we're, we want to love people, but the stuff that we're doing over here that makes our hands dirty are taking our feet out from underneath us. What do you mean they're a Christian? They do this over here. And before too long, our works crumble because we're not living the way that we're supposed to over here. Does this make sense? We see this happen from time to time with religious leaders, right? They, they've done a great ministry and then all of a sudden, there's some sin happening over here. And even though what they proclaimed was true, it's hard to get past their dirty hands isn't it? Oh, you can shake your, this isn't judge. It's hard to get past the dirty hands. So when you live in this life and you're trying to be a light for people and you're trying to share Jesus with people and you're trying to be this borderline, you're trying to be a priest for him, watch what you do over here and make sure that you are not doing things that will take your legs out from under you as you do good works. Have clean hands. Establish your works and have clean hands. When you have clean hands, you can't help but grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Why? Because the more you have clean hands, the more solid footing you have to do the work of the Lord and the stronger you get because it's his strength that is infusing your soul. So watch out what you do with your hands. Next, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 says, Aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Walk 
properly before outsiders. If someone is outside the faith, that means that they're not in the faith. That means that they are not on your side of the borderline. And if our purpose is to get the message out so that they can cross over, then we need to live like we are a tabernacle of God, a priesthood of God, live in a different way so that we can invite outsiders in. Amen? All right. Toes. Blood on the big toe. The toe that went to market. Right? There are some people that Toes are just, ugh. There's some people in the summertime that wear flip-flops. They just need to sock it. Just, just sock it, man. Do you know how long it took me to find this picture on Google? A very long time. That's the only one I could find that actually looked halfway decent. I am absolutely amazed at people taking pictures of their ugly feet and sticking them on the internet and Google finding it. Oh, I don't like germs anyway, but oh, man, sock it. <laughs> Take the pictures down. Help us out. Oh, my goodness. I know I wear sandals, and, you know, it's made me reevaluate <laughs> my feet. Just looking, is this really something I want people, people to see? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe people shouldn't be looking down. Maybe it's none of their business. But when you're wearing shorts, okay, sock it. Oh, just absolutely nasty. So this is what the scripture says. Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's, that's funny for a different reason. Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Do you want to see my, because I'm preaching the good news, you want to see my feet? Okay, good. In the tabernacle, there was this altar, right? And there were these priests right here. And right behind you was the, ta- was the holy place that you would go into. The priests would actually do the work of the Lord barefoot because they were on holy ground. You might say, where in the world did they get that idea, God? But no, 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 no. Where did they first get that idea? Well, there was a burning bush. And there was Moses. You know what bothers me about that passage of Scripture? Is it, it, it doesn't wrap it up. Like, he took off his sandals, but when he left, there's no Scripture that says he put them back on. That doesn't bother anybody else? Like, why didn't he put them back on? Now, I've thought about this seriously because I thought that there was some type of spiritual message in it, but I don't think that's it. I don't think God just wanted us to know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We assume that he put his shoes back on, but maybe he didn't. I don't know. But there's some sandals in Israel somewhere in that surrounding area that are just sitting there. Not Israel, I guess. I guess it would be lower than that. But nonetheless, they're just sitting by a bush. If you ever go out that way and you see some sandals, those are Moses. It says in scripture that they were, it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm gonna get off that. Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Listen, 
Your feet are part of you being a priest. You are supposed to take the good news to other people. That is what you are supposed to do. Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's beautiful because that is the only hope for the world. See, we preach other things. We talk about other things. Plays in football that wasn't called correctly or plays in basketball that wasn't called correctly or this team won and this team didn't and this team has this player and this team doesn't have this player and this team's gonna have the best season but this team isn't. We talk about politics, we talk about news items, we preach and preach and preach all these things. How many times in comparison do you actually preach the gospel to people with the same enthusiasm that you preach everything else? Beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. As a priest of God, as a saved one of God, it is my responsibility and your responsibility to preach the good news of salvation to people all around us. Chances are, chances are, people are not just going to naturally come to church and find Jesus. Why? because that's not how he has it designed. You are the borderline between heaven and earth. It is your feet that goes to other people. It is your mouth that proclaims the truth, and then they come to church. Are you tracking? You witness. You talk about him. You preach the gospel, and beautiful are the, are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's beautiful because that is the only stability that anybody can have in this life. And you're giving that message to them. We look for answers for health issues. We look for answers for uh, personal issues. We look for answers here and there and everywhere when all the while we have the answer to fix the world. And that's the gospel. Now, it's one person at a time. This morning in 9.30 service, I had the privilege of baptizing two individuals. They were both married and had received Christ. It's awesome, right? That is the second best thing about this job. The best thing about this job is when someone comes up and says, I would like to receive Jesus as my savior and you're able to lead them and pick that fruit. Listen, I've, I've, I've witnessed to a lot of people that I don't even know if they got saved or not. I, I told them the gospel, wasn't able to pick the fruit. I planted, somebody watered, you know, the Apollos thing, right? Never got to do it, but there's nothing like somebody coming and I'm reaping the benefits of somebody else that is witness to them. It's nothing like that. Because at the moment that that happens, not only am I just amazed at how God works all this out and calls people to salvation, but second, I'm amazed at how he plants, waters, the thing grows, and then somebody's able to pick it. it. It is absolutely amazing. It's the number one thing. It's nothing like it in the world. It's nothing like it in the world to hear somebody say, I'm sorry for my sins, and I want you, Jesus, to be my Savior. It's nothing like it in the entire world. It, it, it's something, something happens in that moment. It's the second best experience I've ever had in this life. The first one was my own salvation. The second is seeing other people saved. It, it's It's crazy. It's beautiful because it is the answer. Everything else in this world, ladies and gentlemen, is ugly. Right? But the gospel 
is beautiful and changes lives. Here's the next verse about these feet. Ponder the path of your feet and all your ways will be secure. You ponder them. See, a lot of times we get so emotionally involved in something that we jump before we look and then we fall over. We, we, we say things that we shouldn't say. We should have thought about them before we said them, right? But this says, ponder your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Ponder what you're about to do. How many of you played lava, volcano when you were a kid? Okay, good, good. Yeah, the first service had those parents didn't let them play that game. If you don't know what this is, and I'm reading that maybe some people don't, is that you actually get on top of a chair, right? And the lava is down here, and then you try to make it there. Now, I'm not going to do that. Okay, I'm a little older now. So you, you don't want to step here. And so what you do is you jump from this chair to this couch, and you, and you try to stay away from the lava. And if you touch the lava, you're out. It's a lot of fun, especially on a rainy day and your parents let you tear up the house. It is absolutely incredible. You can throw out little, little things on the floor to jump on it. It's really a lot of fun. So right before you jump, you ponder it. Like there's some jumps that you know you can't make, but some that you can. And so you make this one in order to get here. And if you're really wanting to have a good time, you play tag while playing lava, right? And so you're jumping, trying to get away from the tag person. And it's just, it's just a lot of, lot of fun. You ponder. See, some of us in life don't ponder what our next step is, and we wind up stepping on something destructive, something that takes us out, a sin that easily besets us because we didn't ponder that this isn't the way God wanted us to go. This is the way God wanted us to go. Sometimes it's good when we're emotional to step back and sleep on it and wake up the next morning before we make a decision. Sometimes it's good just to step back and in wisdom, think through the whole situation before we say something that we shouldn't say. Sometimes it's good to ponder, and the Bible would say it's good to ponder all the time because your feet depend on it. Before you move down a path, ponder where that path is going to take you or if that path is even sanctioned by the word of God because you want your feet to stay on holy ground. This verse says this, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's a great verse. You're pondering, you're waiting, you're trying to figure out which way you want to go. And the moment that you know where to go, you run there or you walk, depending on how old you are, right? But you move in that particular direction. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There is something about pondering the way that you need to go according to scripture and getting there and having a peace inside of you instead of weariness, Sometimes the reason that we are weary in this life is because we are doing the wrong things. Sometimes the reason that we have a weight in our life and we feel like life is pushing us down is because we haven't pondered our path and we're not walking in the way God wants us to walk. 
and the weight of that sin is on our shoulders. Are you tracking? And so we wait for the Lord to ponder which way our feet needs to go. Now, Philip, what in the world does this have to do with, with the priesthood? I think I got it, but I'm not sure. This is what it has to do with the priesthood. Your whole body is chosen to be a priest for God. That's what this represents. The earlobe is this section of the body. The thumb is this section of the body. And the toe is this section of the body. It's the whole thing. And just in case you missed that, and God knew that you would possibly, he ordained the priest from head to toe with oil. And just in case you missed that, he sprinkled some of the same oil and the blood on their clothing so that you would know that their whole being was what was ordained to work for God because they were the difference between heaven on earth and on earth, right? And you and I are the same way. We have been ordained by a higher priest than Aaron, by a greater God than Moses, according to Hebrews, we have been ordained for the work of ministry by Jesus Christ, the ultimate high priest. His blood has sprinkled our life and made us holy and made us able to stand in a holy way. And we should be living that way in this life. Ears listening to him, hands doing his work, feet going where he wants us to go to share the gospel with people. That's what we should be doing. Now, how about if I hear, but I never do, but I stand. Like I live a good life. Like, you know, I don't, I don't really do anything wrong, but I have two out of the three. I'm listening, but I'm not doing but I'm standing. Well, that's not right. It's not right. You can't do just two out of three. You can't pick and choose. It's your whole being that's supposed to be working for God. You're not really listening to what he's telling you to do if you're not serving. Like you can't cut out the, the hands. You're not really listening to what he wants you to do as a priest if you're not moving your feet in that direction, but you're listening and you're serving here and you're not doing the holiness with your feet, standing on holy ground with your feet. It is totally you, totally dedicated to Jesus Christ. When he went to the cross from you, he didn't say, oh, wait a minute, not this side of my body, just hit this side. His whole body was involved in the process. Your whole body and your whole demeanor and your whole spirit should be all in for Jesus Christ and what he wants you to be as a priest. You are the borderline and you don't get to pick and choose. See, some people come to church but never serve. They come to church but they never serve. That's not a healthy priesthood. You come to church you listen, and then you serve him with your hands, and you stand on holy ground while you're doing it. It is your whole body all the time. Every step you take should be something spiritual. Every step you take 
should be something spiritual, something, something about God, something about your faith you're doing to the best of your ability. It is all of you. It is really a daunting task, isn't it, when you think about it? It's a high calling, and it's hard to reach for, but that's what makes it awesome. That's what makes it awesome. I'm concerned that sometimes we put the bar low for people in order for them to achieve greatness. My son looks at his participation trophies, unfortunately, as participation trophies. Like, why does everybody get a participation trophy? We lost. Okay, are you tracking? Sometimes we, we lower the bar so low for people that they just trip over it and they never change. See, God's bar is, is high for you. And it's out of your reach. You're supposed to listen to him, supposed to work for him, supposed to do all this for him, and I'm constantly reaching for that perfection that he wants in my life. And I cannot reach it alone. I can only reach it with the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I can only stay in that position with his power going through my life. And I think that's part of the point, isn't it? If I am the spot where heaven touches down on earth. That means heaven is with inside of me. God is inside of me. Therefore, I can be the priest that I need to be for him because he's on the throne of my heart. So listen, do his work and walk in holiness and be a light for him in a world that's fallen apart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we